Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, oh, and I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. On this episode, we're going to do just something fun, kind of laid back, and we are going to just pepper you with some great book recommendations. And I have with me, returning from Wednesday's show, Carla from Bed, Wet, or Behead, and Sasha. And Judy may be joining us a little bit later to give us some of her book recommendations as well. But first, what we're going to start with before we start with the book recommendations, although these are things you can recommend as well, is I want to first start off by asking my panelists, what is a book that when you were younger, like really a novel that really impacted you as a youth or shaped your life in any way, Carla? All right. Now, I'm not just saying this because of what we had previously planned. But The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Now listen, as I have aged, and so has she, and then the internet happened, and then um, I was exposed to the kind of awful person that she is as a human being, it was very disappointing because she wrote one of the books that, that was so important to me growing up. Now, The Outsiders, now, okay, why did little Carla, you know, why did this book resonate so hard with baby Carla when it's about, you know, like uh, teenage uh, hoodlums who are all boys when I was a Catholic schoolgirl who was a teacher's pet? Why? Why did this ring a bell with me? Well, okay. The Outsiders. It's a book about people who are on the, the margins and who are... Uh, um on the periphery of society. And I had just come from Mexico and I didn't know any English when I got here. Well, I knew some, I knew, I did not know how to ask for a bathroom, um, which is a story for another day. Uh, but I, I, there's, there's not a lot that I knew. And I was also very weird to begin with, I've always been very nerdy. So I was always, I always felt like I was on the outside of stuff and pony boy and his family and his, also his found family, his, um, his fellow hoods, you know, like the, the what's I story type of, of hoods. They are all outsiders, not only from society, but in some ways 
from each other. They are going through a lot of changes in their lives. They're growing up. They're going through so many things. And when you are making a huge change in your life, a huge involuntary change, I didn't ask to come here, (laughs) a huge involuntary change and everything around you feels and is foreign and you're treated that way too, it makes you feel, as the kids say, some type of way. So this book really, um, really spoke to me in a lot of ways. And I also, it is one of the the first books that felt like it was written. um, I mean, when I see Hinton wrote it, she was, I think, 15 or 16. So it's written by somebody who is more or less, you know, close to my age. And it also inspired me to want to write because it's like, wow, this person had so much to say at such a young age. Maybe I have something to say too. I haven't written a novel yet. Certainly not something that's going to impact a, you know, young kid coming from anywhere in the world. But it did plant a seed in there that creativity is available for you to help you sort through life and to help you connect with the outside world. So, and it's it's also just a, a, it's a great book, so much action, a lot of emotion, great, incredibly weird names for the characters. Like soda pop is the name of an actual person. And as I said, pony boy, what in the freaking hell, which I mean, Okay, I, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, which is that, you know, if you wanted to hint that a 16-year-old girl wrote it, but, you know, talking about the horse girls, I just want it, to, it's it's great and creative and fun and has so much emotion in it and to have such a great group of characters that each have so much going on individually and with each other. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. Like the, the first book I always think of when, when somebody asks, Oh, what book, you know, made an impact on you growing up. And it's always the outsiders. Yeah. Essie Hinton in general was like very, but yeah, the outsiders for sure. Yes. And I know it definitely did on Sasha too. So I don't know if that's the one that made th- that you Oh no, no. Okay. I was going to use The Outsiders because that is a huge impact. But since we were not doing that topic, I went with something else. And I think I've discussed it on here before, but the first book that I read cover to cover that I clearly remember, I was 12 and it was Stephen King's The Shining. And it's the first book I remember reading in one sitting. I stayed up all night to read it because it scared the bejesus out of me. That menagerie scene. (laughs) Should I have been reading Stephen King, The Shining at 12? Probably not. Probably not. I might have actually been like 11, regardless. Um, Too young to be reading The Shining. Definitely too young to be staying up overnight, but I I had to know how it ended, and I had to wait for the sun to come up so that I could actually go back to sleep. But that is, I, if you ask my dad, he will tell you that I was a born reader. He will tell you, like, from day one, I was reading books. Um, It's just who I am and what I do. I'm a big bookie 
I love them. It's a whatever. Um, but that's the one that clearly sticks out as holy shit, you can read a book in a day and be terrified and then go look up this author's catalog and be like, what's next? So Stephen King, The Shining is the one that I think really started me on my powering through novels journey. I I loved reading as a kid. I was really, really into reading. I would wake up, like I would set my alarm to wake up at like four or five o'clock in the morning. I am not kidding when I was a little kid so that I could not only get like at least an hour in of reading, but also that I could watch the news before going to school. This is when I was in elementary school. I was so cool. (laughs) I was so hip. I was, yeah, yeah. I was really, really, um, I was trying to think of a particular word for that, but I can't, but anyway, um, so I've always been kind of a geek and nerd about stuff. And um, Judy Bloom was really like, and I know a lot of people in my generation feel this way too, but Judy Bloom was so much of my childhood and was like one of those books where you'd read and go, oh, so it is okay that me as a girl that I'm feeling these feelings. It's okay that I'm feeling these. It's okay that I'm like, you know, why haven't I gotten my period yet? And then when I do get it, when I have chicken pox at the same time, being like, why do I have to have chicken pox at the same time that I get my period the first time? But probably my favorite Judy Bloom book actually is Tiger Eyes. Uh, which is about uh, a 15-year-old girl who is attempting to cope with the unexpected death of her father. And, uh, you know, it was a violent death. And family moves to um, Mexico from Atlantic City. And her mother's really distant. And all this stuff happens to the main character, Davy. And what, you know, it's because I didn't, my father has been in and out of my life, my whole life. And so I guess that might've been part of it because my father is as far as I know alive. But I think there was just something about this character that was, she was so depressed and sad and withdrawn. And of course, a lot of that was because she was dealing with this huge loss of her father But it was the first time that I had read a novel where depression and anxiety attacks and stuff like that were treated with such care, where it wasn't something that was brushed aside, where it was actually talked about and very uh, lovingly written about. And that's what I always appreciated about Judy Bloom's books is it there was so much love and care there for the characters. And I mean, her books have been banned left and right and still are. And what was interesting that I just read today about Tiger Eyes, and I didn't know this, is originally, this this is one of the only times she caved in any kind of censorship of her novels, is I guess in the original draft, she had a scene where Davy masturbates thinking about this, this young boy that she's met in New Mexico. And um, the publishers are like, you should take this out because some really, really young people are gonna gonna read this. And she really struggled with that decision, but did eventually take it out. But 
I, I really wanted to also just mention Judy Bloom because of that whole book book banning is going on still. If you don't think that's still going on, and and Judy Bloom always makes that list. I, I know some Essie Hinton books definitely make that list too. Um, so a lot of really great great novels and great writers, and um, so seek them out. Go go check out your local library as well. So please 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 do that. Okay, well. Now what we're going to do is we're going to do kind of like we're going to go around and we're going to each name a book that we are into right now, or even if it's a book that you read a while ago and you still want to recommend it. And we're just going to just go around. Each of us are going to name one and we're going to do at least three rounds. Depending on time, we might do more. But Carla, what is the very first book you want to mention? The first book that I'll mention, and it's because I just finished reading it, is called The Comeback by Lily Chu. And I don't, this was, this was, okay. All right. So I'll tell you how I came across the book. First of all, I was on a road trip with my family and I decided, Hey, I want to read something and, you know, not have it be on my phone. And I didn't bring anything. So I was off getting supplies and I saw this book and, well, I saw other books, but I was specifically wanted something that was not written by a white person. So I was like, okay, let's look for a book by a not white person. So I looked and there she was in all her glory, the book called The Comeback by Lily Chu. And I flipped to the back, but I was distracted and I didn't really pay attention to it. I was like, eh, whatever. Okay, whatever. Put it in my shopping cart, walk to checkout. And then I, I get to where we're staying and I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. It's a book about a lawyer in Toronto who has a roommate and the roommate goes out of town and then the roommate's cousin comes in to stay there and the roommate's cousin is super hot and he has a secret. The secret is not like anything like, you know, it's okay. The secret is that he's a K-pop star. And honestly, if you read the book and you get to the point where they reveal it and you didn't figure this out by yourself what is wrong with you sincerely like it's like a spoiler light to say that but it's it's a a very fluffy fun book it's exactly what i needed um it's been a very stressful uh decade at casa de carla and this was just a, a great um fluffy fun thing but yes the k-pop angle completely threw me because I, you know, K-pop, I don't really go there, but it's ever-present, it's fun, The B, you know, there's BTS all over my life, not because I seek it out, but because it exists. And this book gives you an interesting perspective into, um, okay, haha, JK, interesting perspective. It's just a fun book. It's a fun, sexy book, Okay about fun sexy people just read it for kicks so i am going to recommend the boy the mole the fox and the horse which is by a british author charlie mackesy um and this is more of an illustrated book you could sit down and read this in like 20 30 minutes you could read it 
real quick power through it but it's basically friendship and overcoming obstacles so it's this little boy and he's walking around and then he meets a mole and spoiler alert the mole wants to bring him a cake but accidentally eats a cake so he has to buy a second cake and then he eats that cake all these things happen there's a fox there's a horse and it's just kind of them going through some obstacles in life um it's one of those like really good feel good ones so if you know somebody who is going through a rough patch or you know major health concerns we've got a friend of ours is in the hospital right now possibly losing part of his foot if not all of it and so a friend of ours took him that book you know it's one of those like really feel good kind of stories again you can read it super quick it's appropriate for everybody like you could read it to your kids if you've got kids um if you just need to pick me up the boy the mole the fox and the horse i've heard of it but i haven't read it but awesome awesome but before I give my first recommendation, Judy has joined us. Yay, I'm really glad you're able to join us, Judy. Hello. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So before I ask for your first recommendation, I do want to give you a chance to answer our first question, which was, what was one novel that had a huge impact on you when you were growing up? I mean, I know this sounds cliche, but the first thing that came to my mind was uh, not necessarily one novel, but Judy Bloom, right? Like everything Judy Bloom. Of course, I discovered Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing first and then just gobbled up all of the rest of them. And I remember just reading them and rereading them. And the way that she wrote, I don't know. It just felt like she, I remember feeling like she was the one author that understood what it was like to be in that, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, kind of age. It feels like a lot of authors don't, but I don't know. That woman's got some magic because she was able to really, um, she never ever talked down to children and it, she was really able to capture that time period when you want to be grown up, but you still want to snuggle in mom's lap. And you, you know, you're just discovering that your family is more messed up than you thought. And your friends are more messed up than you thought. And you have more complicated feelings that you realize. So I don't know, her books, all of them just had such, um, such an impact. And I read them again and again, starting again with like the fun ones and then moving on to the ones that were a little more um, deep, you know, the uh, Are You There God and, and Blubber, that kind of thing. So, yeah, if, if you're talking about young books, it would, it would have to be Judy Bloom for me. Yes. And since you weren't here, you didn't hear. Mine was Judy Bloom. Oh. Mine was in particular Tiger Eye, as I just mentioned. Okay. That was my favorite. But the pretty much for the exact same reasons yeah. that you said. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, and then I am going to let you go with your first recommendation, Judy. What's one book you're into right now or even one you read a while ago? Yeah. So, we, yeah, we can talk about now. Sasha and I both have we've been reading everything by um, Sarah J. Mass or Moss. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. It's M-A-A-S. But she writes fantasy kind of romance, but more, you know, just fantasy adventure, uh, fae and shifters and, you know, all, all kinds of different creatures and everything. And um, we are 
plowing our way through 15, 18 books, something like that, <laughs> like our entire collection. But the fun part about them is also, you know, not only is, is the story entertaining, um, but there's this kind of fandom that has popped up around them. So you can go to balls that are themed after these stories. And we are planning on doing several of them where we're going to get all dressed up as fairies and high fae. Sorry, not fairies. <laughs> get dressed up as high fae and big gowns and go to these balls and, you know, the, it, the whole thing. Yeah. So this, this author and her books are like really huge right now on book talk and, and everything. So yeah, I'm having a lot of fun reading reading every single thing by this same author. At first, I was a little apprehensive, but <laughs> definitely enjoying it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the other day, Sasha was telling me about that, too. So, yeah, cool. Well, uh, well I just, and if you haven't listened to the interview yet, go back and listen to my interview with author T.M. Dunn. And I just read her newest novel, Her Father's Daughter. This is a thriller. It involves a serial killer, too. So if you're that's not your thing, then this definitely would not be your thing. But it is really well written. It is one where you want to keep turning the page. You want to keep reading. You don't want to put it down. I did make the mistake of I started to read it right before I went to bed. And that wasn't necessarily the best thing in the world because it was kind of, it was very visceral. It's a very visceral book. And also just if you have any squicks around rats, just know rats are in this and there's a very visceral scene. involved. I mean, I can tell you it's right in the beginning. It's um, there. It goes back and forth between time. It's present day and the character Linda, who is the daughter, and she helps run an exterminating business in New York City with her dad, Anthony. And one day on the anniversary of her mom's death, because her mom died right after she was born, they, she goes to like a really upscale penthouse place to do some exterminating there. And she goes into one of the apartments or units or condos, whatever, and finds a dead body and there's a rat chewing on the face of the body. So <laughs> I would have noped out at exterminator. <laughs> well, and it's funny because in my interview with her, I, I was I said we have to talk about the rat. I have to mention the rat stuff. And she's like her dad, uh team done her dad in real life was an exterminator. And so She's like, you know, that stuff doesn't really get me because I was around that stuff all the time and rats are so fascinating. And and she's like, but so many people that love horror have read this and been like, that really was like, ew. Because <laughs> it is the image of it. But it's a really, really interesting book because then what happens is basically her father vanishes. And so then you're going back in time into the 90s and her father, this is not a spoiler, is a serial killer. And he hasn't killed anyone since she was born. And it goes back in the way he does things. This isn't, um, this isn't a spoiler either. Is He thinks of himself as an actor. So he finds a character, a person, and he studies them and then kills them. And it's just, you know, it's 
so it's such an interesting way of depicting a serial killer. It's a little bit different than I've seen before. And it's also makes you kind of go see people that do horrible things. You don't always know they've done horrible things. And then realizing that like everyone thinks that someone that does horrible things, is going to be this outwardly evil thing. And that's not what this character is. And um, it's just, it's just really well written and it's, a great thriller and I do encourage you to listen to our interview. So if you love those and you like serial killer novels and also there's a huge deep, deeper story here too about connection and human connection and love and stuff, then I definitely recommend this. So it is available. You can also, there's also an audio version as well on Kindle. So definitely check that one out. Okay. So Carla, what is next on your list? Next on my list, and this is actually a short story, but it's published as a single short story by Toni Morrison called Resida Teeth. And I'll read you the description. It says, Twyla and Roberta are two young girls who meet at St. Bonaventure's Orphanage for Girls. They become instant friends, not because of their age, but because both of their mothers are still alive. And the fascinating thing with this story it's okay, completely mind blowing. You don't get any descriptions of Twilight or Roberta. You only get the you know the stories of their lives and how their lives intertwine and how they fall away from each other and come back together. And all you really know about them is that one of them is white and one of them is black. So you go into into the story not knowing which one is which and there's nothing in the story that will really tip you off one way or another. So you're left to wonder about motivations and circumstances and, and, you know, the, the world in which they grow up and how they see it and their places in it. Um, it's fascinating, fascinating. If you get a chance to, to find it again, maybe. Check your local library. That's where I, I found my copy. Well, not my copy because I gave it back. Could be my copy, but I haven't bought it yet. But it, it's really thought-provoking. It's it's Tony Morrison, so you know it's it's written fantastically well. But it, it, it gives you so much to think about. And it's... Uh, it, it doesn't really do it in a way where... It, it's hard to describe because... Like I said, nothing tips you off one way or another. And she purposely wrote it that way because she, she just wanted to put it out as a thought exercise. And the, um, the edition that I checked out had a, like an interview with her that told you a little bit more of why she wrote it and, and why she um, wanted it published on its own. But I mean, I, I read this like a year and a half ago and I can't stop thinking about it. It's fantastic because it's Toni Morrison, like I said. Yeah. So my next book is one of my all-time favorites. It's in my top five. It's an older book, um, but I think the entire world needs to read it. And it's called Jitterbug Perfume. Um, it is by Tom Robbins. It is basically the story of a bohemian king from like 6,000 years ago who escaped regicide 
became immortal with this young lady who is of age. I think she's like 26, maybe, um, because she was in cahoots with Pan, the god Pan, um, and so discovered immortality in this cave with these people. And so they've been chasing immortality. Pan has this very specific perfume bottle. It's all about the smell of the perfume and recreating the perfume. So it jumps from their timeline to kind of current day, well, 1985 current day timeline in New Orleans, Paris, and Seattle to three different perfumeries, perfumeries, per smelly, smelly places that make the smelly things because somebody gets their hand on the bottle. All of the juice from the bottle is gone. So they're trying to recreate it and they're trying to figure out what the notes are and everything. But slowly as time has gone on, pan is starting to fade because, you know, if you don't believe in them, don't believe in the old gods, the old gods go away. So pan has been fading. And it's just, it's this incredible story of these people kind of trying to figure out this perfume. So jitterbug perfume. Interesting. I've never, ever heard of that. So, yeah. Um, and then, Judy, I do apologize. I should have gone back to the alphabet, but I was just like, this is the way we were doing it. I wasn't trying to. So we're doing a different alphabet. No worries. No worries. I figured we'd just go in the same order that we're in. <laughs> so, Judy, what's next on your list? Well, I'm going to um, pile on to Carla's love of Toni Morrison with my next recommendation is The Bluest Eye. It's deep and dark and disturbing, but one of those books that I read 20 years ago and still stays with me. (laughs) It is about um, this little girl, um, black girl in the South, and she thinks that um, her eye color, uh, or she thinks that people with blue eyes are better. Um, You know, obviously she has ingrained in her that, you know, white people with their bluer eyes are are better and she wants these blue, blue eyes. And it's just, it's so sad to see all that she goes through. And I don't know if, I don't know how much spoiling we're going to do, but she ends up, um, a victim of multiple people. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a terrible what happens to this little girl, but it's, uh, it's one of those books that if you read it, it just, it just guts you and stays with you for a very long time. And I, I think about it often. I too was a, a child, a victim of childhood um, sexual assault. And so I think maybe that's why it hit, it hit me so hard. But um, yeah, something about that book, it has always stuck with me and I, I recommend it to people, but just know going in, it's not, it's not an easy read or a fun read, but it's one of those ones that will just really stick with you because this, this beautiful little girl, you watch her fight with her own sense of identity and, and all that comes with that. So bringing things down here <laughs> and it's beautifully oh, no. written because it's Toni Morrison. 
Yes, like has been has been mentioned. Yeah. And and we will definitely I mean, a lot of these authors we are bringing up, we'll have to cover them like more extensively um, sometime on the on the podcast, maybe during this whole time with the strike, we'll have to add them on there. So yes. So thank you for that. Uh, so my next one is not fiction. Um, it's called, I always forget the full title here. It's called uh, Pitbull, the Battle Over an American Icon by Bronwyn Dickey. And this is all about the history of the Pitbull, but it is about so much more than that. It is about how, you know, the Pitbull used to be the American dog. This was the dog that you wanted to have as the family pet. And then what ended up happening was because was, you know, overbreeding, all this kind of stuff. But also really the biggest, biggest thing that happened is, oh my gosh, families that weren't white started having pit bulls. And so once that happened, oh, the pit bull is demonized. And uh, so that was, so it talks about that, how class and race and everything like that plays into what dogs are thought of as okay. Like for years, the German Shepherd was villainized in the same way that the pit bull was. But then upper class people started adopting German Shepherds. And so then German Shepherds were thought of as better then. So this delves deep into what is really behind banning pit bulls and banning a lot of other dogs and breed specific legislation as which is also known as bsl and if people don't know i am a huge 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 advocate for pit bulls i volunteered at an animal shelter for quite a few years and worked with tons of pit bulls and not a single one ever ever and they are in the most stressful situation there not a single one ever tried to bite me attack me nothing I would encounter some that were scared, but of course they're going to be scared. But for the most part, they were just very like, they just goofballs, just absolute complete goofballs. And Pitbull actually is not really a breed too. That's another thing, but it's just a very, very, very good read. And I think if anybody has any like reservations about Pitbulls in general, I really highly recommend reading this because then you will also see where a lot of this stems from. And it does stem from the problem that we have in, and yes, pit bull bans are worldwide, but the problem that we have in the United States, the ongoing problem, and this is a problem worldwide anyway, but with white supremacy and with racism and also with classism, because that plays a big role in why these dogs are vilified because it's just another way to use these dogs as an excuse for not wanting people in your neighborhood. It's the it's exactly what happened. So they're a house hippo. Just throw them in pajamas and they're adorable. Hey, more people are killed by hippos, I think, than anything yeah, else. Hippos right? are very dangerous. <laughs> hippos yeah. are very dangerous. That might not be a good animal to compare it to. <laughs> I mean, really, my dog is the most dangerous. It's a rabid wiener. Like, just avoid the little. It's the little dogs. It's not the big ones. Aaron, I should have known what you were referring to, but my initial thought was Pitbull the musician. <laughs> so I'm like, American Idol. I'm like, okay. okay. First of all, why is Aaron reading about Pitbull? <laughs> 
And second of all, why is she talking about a book about Pitbull? Was it that good? Should I check it out? And then I paid more attention. And it's like, right, the thing that makes sense. <laughs> Especially the, Amer- the battle over an American icon. <laughs> yeah, Pitbull the singer went, went through my head, too. Like, yeah, I was like, is he like, um, like, I know he's Mr. Worldwide, but I think he calls it himself that, so does that count? (laughs) That's so so funny. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) So that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and I do also want to mention in this book that she does dispel some myths that are actually, you know, like people that are very, very pro pit bull. Sometimes they actually can also be a problem as well. Like the fact that a lot of people um, who are activists for this breed and stuff will often say they were the nanny dogs and they weren't really nanny dogs. And you never, ever want to leave your child alone with a dog to care for it. Doesn't matter the breed, what dog doesn't matter. if It's the sweetest dog in the world. You don't want to do that. Don't. I hate when I see those videos of kids climbing on dogs and people think, isn't this cute? I'm like, no, you are asking for a bite. Especially when you see the dog is like frozen in fear. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, teach, teach your kids how to be around dogs, but don't teach them how to be around dogs by telling them to climb on a dog. Spend the money and get a real nanny. <laughs> On a real yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Only and- the one in Peter Pan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even that's weird. <laughs> it's weird because it's not you know. Um, and and she also talks about how with Michael Vick and how upset everybody got over what Michael Vick did, and not at all excusing the horrible dog fighting stuff, but the fact that more people got upset about him doing that than other things that white athletes would do. So again, you know, just because you're on the side of good with the activism doesn't mean you are always unproblematic. So you have to also do a lot of research on that too. So I wanted to point that out just because it's not just like a, all of the people that are in favor of pit bulls are great and wonderful. And then all the people that aren't are horrible. It's very much a very thoughtful, very researched. She did so much research. So much. So definitely, definitely check it out. Okay. So we are on our third round. And Carla, do you have a book about the artist Pitbull that you're going to be recommending to us? Well, I feel (laughs) like now that we've talked about it so much, I I just don't, I'm not comfortable recommending it anymore. It just feels played out for this episode. So instead, I'm going to talk about a trio of books that I, that I read. And I'm mentioning them, mentioning them as a trio because they all take place in the same world. They're not a trilogy per se. You can read them each individ- individually and get a lot of joy out of them. But, and you'll, you'll notice, oh, actually, I was going to say, oh, I have this theme going of really fluffy books. But then I remember that I just recommended a Toni Morrison book. So never mind on that. <laughs> But this trio of books by Olivia Dade, the first one is called Spoiler Alert. The second one is called All the Feels. And the third one is called Shipwrecked. And these are very fan-friendly books in the sense that if you are in a fandom space, if you're a fanfic reader especially, these books are right up your alley. They are meant for fans 
a fandom and a fanfic. And they are lovely not only because they are like I said, they're they're great for people who are fans because you you feel safe as a fan reading it. Like it, it's not going to mock you for reading or writing fanfic. In fact, some of the characters in these books do just that. But also, the the most notable thing about them is that they are the protagonists in them are fat women, and they are very just out there living their lives. And they make no excuses for their bodies, particularly the third, um, in, in shipwrecked that character. I think it's like the most boldly, you know, I'm fat, but like, damn, look at me kind of character. And I, I love all of them. The third one also features a, a fat male protagonist. So that's also something refreshing to read because a lot of the times when you read books, about you know whether you're talking about um, if you're talking about a a queer couple, there's often one person in it who is kind of straight presenting. If you read about, um, I'm talking about like books that that get talked about big time that make it into the mainstream. I guess if you talk about a, a book with a BIPOC main character, the the love interest will be white, but in in the first two books, the, the the male protagonists were like really fit, handsome dudes, and then the the third protagonist is a handsome dude who happens to be fat. So they're they're great. They are very very sexy. They're so sexy, like you know, like invest in flood insurance, sexy. They're very, yes, like, you may not think that you need floor insurance, but oh, I am here to tell you that you do. So, these are very fun, very, very spicy reads. It, it, it's, a, it's great fun, and they're quick reads, so I highly recommend them. Every fanfic writer out there now, you have to rate your fanfic on if you need flood insurance or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of just E for explicit, it has to be F flood flood insurance. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So, Sasha, is your next recommendation going to have us buying flood flood insurance? Yes. Yes, it is. Because we may as well ride that train. So let's do this. Um, I happen to subscribe to a book box that is titled Probably Smut. So they send you spicy books. Um, It also happens to be a book that uh, Judy got looped into reading. And it's all over Book Talk right now. And it's called Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Fourth Wing is Hunger Games meets How to Train Your Dragon, spliced with Divergent, add spice, and then you have a dragon that gives off grumpy old man, get off my lawn vibes. 
I thought you were going to say, then you have someone getting off to a dragon. I swear. <laughs> and add some superpowers in there, too. Yes. It's just a little bit of everything. <laughs> it is uh, absolute utter chaos. With the spice, you will need flood insurance. Um, there are several comments. They destroy the room. <laughs> yeah, there is a, a, a part of a building. There's broken furniture. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. Unfortunately, so the good or the bad part is it is a new book. It will be part of a series. Apparently it's a five book series and we're only on book one. So do with that what you will. Uh, if you are a completionist, you may want to wait until they're all out. Uh, otherwise you're going to have to suffer with the rest of us and go, when is the next one? Which happens to be November. I think book two is coming out in November. So fourth wing. Awesome. So, Judy, are you continuing the tray? The trend? ride that spicy wave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend some fanfic. I know I've talked about this before, but I will never get off of the Down to Agon Court soapbox. I have read it, oh my gosh, seven, eight times. I don't even know. And it's unfinished, which is really rare for me. Usually if it's an unfinished fic, I don't even want anything to do with it but this one is so good i love just living the journey again it's it's just so amazing um it definitely gets spicy but you got to be very patient because it's also a major slow burn it's got a little bit of everything um from there was only one bed to <laughs> enemies to lovers to fake marriage or fake relationship really it's hilarious and sad and profound like i cannot even believe the way this woman writes and she at least once a chapter she has a sentence that just makes me go <gasps> Like audible gasp, profound, makes me really like think in a way that and see the world and humanity in a way that I never saw before. And I know that sounds crazy for a fanfic, but really it's just she is a, a brilliant writer and I'm so sad that she only got through four books, but they're four long books <laughs> and they are absolutely worth it. All of the care, you know, you know, Dean and Cass. But all of the other characters are new characters that she has made up. So it's diverse and interesting and the lots of women who are kicking ass left and right. Yeah, it's I cannot recommend it enough. So Down to Agon Court is the name of the series. And um, if you ever read it, ping me. I would love to fangirl with you. <laughs> Carla, have you read that one? Because I know you're a Dean Cass reader right i have uh-huh and i'm not gonna get into the whys but it could be if it weren't for some things it could be one of the it could be the best mm -hmm. um destiel fanfic yeah i do recommend if you don't have the patience skip <sighs> everything that happens in ancient rome it I, honestly drags yeah i skip Rome. and <laughs> to me it feels like somebody needed a beta those. I do agree but, on that. Also, book one can be a little confusing because you're like, what is yeah. happening here at times? But, but after that, please oh, plow sailing. through. You will not. And when, yeah, plow through, baby. Yeah. And when <laughs> exactly. you get 
And when you get to the millionth word, you're finally rewarded. Yeah. With the, <laughs> the millionth word. And you'll, you'll say thank you. The couch scene. You know? <laughs> it's, the couch scene is rated PG, and it's still one of the sexiest. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. Because you have to wait for so long for it. It makes me angry. I'm, I'm like so mad. Like, I can't believe that you made me wait this long for it. And I'm happy about it. Like, <laughs> screw you. I'm thanking you for making me wait two and a half books. And then, you know, he says, you're curious. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. But and I know you've talked about that fanfic before. I have not read it because I do ship those people in fanfic. I just... You know, not other places, but I've been in fanfic. But I have been reading fanfic again, and I haven't read fanfic in forever mm-hmm. because, um, you know, and then the whole AO3 DDoS attack that happened. And we talked about that last week. So that was like the most, I was like, of course, right when I start reading fanfic again, then that happens. I consider that particular fanfic literature. Like it is written like, you know, literature, not fanfic, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think a lot of fanfic is like True. that. I think there's a but lot of fanfic is, that like, is so good. But... Oh my gosh. She just, like I said, uh, at least once a chapter, she'll throw in a sentence and you're like, oh, it just changes the way you see the world. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. If she didn't love her own writing her so much, I would call it the number one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Roman stuff. I'm I'm sure she planned a good payoff, but God, yeah, it was taking too long. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. I am breaking this trend. I am so sorry. I am breaking the flood. Oh, <laughs> no, you build a dam? <laughs> damn, a dam. I'm, I'm like, should I recommend a fanfic instead? <laughs> um, but uh, – my favorite writer is Dean Koontz, who I prefer over Stephen King. I know there's usually like a battle between the two. And probably my favorite Dean Koontz book, and this is a series as well, um, but it starts off the first one is Odd Thomas, which is all about a character named Odd, who the reason he's named Odd is there was an error on his birth certificate. He was supposed to be named Todd and the T got left off and he sees dead people and um, these the ghosts that he sees, they just want him to do things for him to resolve, like how they were murdered, that kind of stuff. And they never talk. Um, and he also sees the ghost of Elvis all the time. And it's the funniest Elvis because it's like this Elvis like cries all the time. And I know that sounds sad that I'd be like, oh, it's so funny that Elvis is crying all the time. But it's just it's just a very different, different version of Elvis than you've seen before. You know, he's a short order cook. And um, he also has a really amazing girlfriend and there's a great love story there. And, you know, of course there's going to be the battle and the huge evil that comes in because he he sees like these um, like shadowy figures, like these shadowy ghosts. And they always um, for, they always uh, lead to some huge, big catastrophe. So it's actually a a live human being that is setting up something horrible and evil. And if you know, Dean Koontz, his villains are villains. I mean, they do some horrendous, yes, they are chandelier people. 
Sasha. They do some horrendous things. I mean, absolutely awful, awful things. That's what I love so much about his books. Not that they do awful things, but that he sets up these villains that are just, ooh, just creepy, creepy, creepy. Uh, But it will actually make you cry, or at least it made me cry. The end of that book makes me cry every time I read it. I like the series overall. I, I, but the first one is just leagues above all the ones that come after it. But I just, if you are a fan of Dean Koontz and you haven't read Odd Thomas, I would be shocked. And I believe there's also like a graphic novel series that he did as well to go with it. So it's a huge, huge, huge thing uh, with Dean Koontz, but, but definitely Odd Thomas. I recommend it is horror. So remember that. Um, but he always adds a lot of humanity and a lot of um, characters that are unique and beautiful. And Odd is like my favorite character he's ever had in any of his books. Love that character so much. So definitely check out that if you like horror books. Okay. Well, what we will do, if people have a couple more, we will do like... We'll do a quick speed round, okay? So we'll go around quickly. You can name some books that maybe, you know, got you flood insurance again or whatever you want to <laughs> give a shout. <laughs> horrible. So Carla. Okay. Uh, I will name um, an eternal favorite of mine. It is The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury. It's a book that was – okay. So the honors class – in my high school was supposed to read it and I wasn't in honors and I saw somebody with the book and I was like, Oh, what's that? And then they told me, and then I was like, I want to read it. And then they're like, Oh, we just finished reading it. You can have this copy. And I was like, cool. I read it. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And I wish I could talk to people about it, but I'm not in honors. So, but it's a really good book. Anyway, Red Bradbury. And speaking of Red Bradbury, um, something wicked this way comes. Fantastic book. Check it out. Like <laughs> so good. So good, yes. People are are lifting their fists in support because it's that good. So you see, it's not just me. Um, somebody else who is in the sci-fi space is Richard Matheson. Read the book, The Best of Richard Matheson. Richard Matheson, by the way, is somebody who wrote a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. So if that's your jam, check him out. Another book, okay. Okay, so Colleen Hoover is supposedly like maybe like a romance writer. I don't know. This is the only book of hers that I've read. It's called Verity. It is not a romance novel. I am here to warn you. It is a spooky thriller. Not, not spooky in like, ooh, sense, but like spooky in like, oh my God, people are monsters kind of sense. It is really, really good. And uh, while, we were, while we were dating, it's just another fluffy flood insurance warning type of book for you. If you need something to cool down with. Then this is not it. This is just going to heat you right up. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> cool down with some with a cold shower afterwards. Yes. <laughs> this is great for summer because you'll be heated on the inside and the outside. <laughs> I love the snort there. <laughs> I unmuted too quickly. <laughs> That was awesome, though. That was bad. <laughs> there was another snort, too. Usually that's how <laughs> friends know. They're like, oh, you won. You made Sasha snort. 
you broke her. It's the game that friends play. So Carla won the game. So Sasha. Yes. Really quickly, uh, I wholeheartedly, Something Wicked This Way Comes, also in my top five. I love that story. I recommended it to a friend. She got like, I don't know, two chapters in and went, this is too scary. I can't with you. Just can't. It's a great book. Um, if you like audio books and you like hair bands, I highly recommend 18 in Life by Sebastian Bach. He reads it himself. And so he does all of these funny little like, and now for the audiobook version special snippet and gives you a tidbit that apparently is not in the written version. I don't know. He does the, and he does this like radio DJ host voice when he does it. It's hysterical, but uh, I was a Skid Row fan. I am a Skid Row fan. I love me some Sebastian Bach. Please don't tell me he's problematic, Carla, because I will not hear it. Uh, so <laughs> 18 in life. I have nothing to say about him. Okay. I promise. Perfect. Good. Then we're good. Uh, so I highly recommend that, but do the audio version because he reads it himself. And I am here for autobiographical read by the author. So that one, if you are getting into or interested in dipping your toes into fantasy or D&D or anything like that, that is kind of big right now, uh, the Dragonlance series by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss, they're older books. I read them when I was young, um, starts, there's a, I think there's a fourth one out now, but it starts with like Dragons of Autumn, Twilight, and then winter spring and i think they did a summer one later but those are uh they are not flood insurance necessary but they are fantasy fun think you know like lord of the rings light very get you into the classes and races of DD um dragonland series so those are my rapid fire recommendations awesome thank you and judy all right so some rapid fire stuff. Um, first, I just wanted to do sort of an honorable mention. You know, when you talked about we were going to say um, talk about something from our childhood that had a big influence. It was between Judy Bloom and V.C. Andrews. V.C. <laughs> <laughs> Andrews owned my high school. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a warped, bizarre, insane world she created. And I loved all of the flowers in the attic and heavenly and all of the incestuous, uh, you name it. <laughs> Junior flood insurance. Junior flood insurance. Moment. <laughs> yes. It's like, like you but know, also like, with oh, a bit of creepiness. you're experiencing yeah. puberty. <laughs> Maybe you should invest in some flood insurance. <laughs> but I just had to do an honorable mention for VC Andrews. Because <laughs> we all went through that phase. And yeah. <laughs> um, but some recommendations uh, are the Poisonwood Bible. Um, read that one a long time ago. It's about this uh, minister who decides to go on. Well, it's not really about him, but this minister that takes his four or five children and they're all daughters and his wife on a mission to the Congo to, you know, convert the natives. And exactly, exactly. He's a total ass. And the book is written alternately from the point of view of each one of the different, each one of the daughters and the mother. 
And of course, there's, you know, lots of trauma. And we watch this guy being a total dick and not understanding what he's doing at all. And how each daughter deals with the situation differently. So it's really fascinating what happens. And this is, and there's like uprisings happening because the, I forget who the Congo is. I read it a long time ago, but it was like taken over by the Brits, but then they were backing off or something and this family gets stuck there. So yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I remember it had a profound, you know, impact on me. So Poisonwood Bible. Another one is if you like, uh, uh, Howard Stern. Private Parts is one of my favorite biographies ever. It is so funny uh, and so clever. He's just hilarious. There's parts where I was like crying, but it's also a sweet love story to his wife, Allison, who he was with for like 25 years and they have these lovely children. Um, But yeah, if if you like Howard Stern, which I don't know that I'm talking to the right crowd for it or not. But I was always a big fan, and I loved the the book Private Parts. Another novel that I love is called Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. And um, it's written from the point of view of this man who is kind of like in high standing in his tribe in in somewhere in Africa. Uh, again, read this one a long time ago, too. But... This tribe is suddenly introduced, you know, again, some missionary comes and tries to to change things. And it's all about he him holding on so tightly to tradition and the past, and this is the way we've always done things, and watching his world getting turned upside down. Um, and some of his children are, you know, interested in what they have to say and others are not and um you know conflict within the whole tribe happens because you know they dropped a dropped a bomb into this society that had been just fine for a very long time so it's a fascinating look um into uh, imperialism and and its effect on people so yeah that was an, another uh another good recommendation so those were some of my rapid fire faves Awesome. I I love how the huge variety of stuff we have, and that would have been so interesting to have Judy Bloom and V.C. Andrews is sort of like this, (laughs) like a double feature, you know. (laughs) It was hard to decide who had more of an impact. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I mean, that's basically the Gen X experience. Like if you grew up... In oh, a certain time, you probably read both of those. Yeah. So I had to at least give an honorable mention to VC. No, I love that. And that that's, I mean, since we have so many Gen X listeners, we probably will have to cover VC Andrews at some point in time, too. That would be an interesting episode. <laughs> all the trigger warnings. Okay, like, read some of that stuff. All the trigger warnings. Yes. <laughs> Like, oh. I, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures, yeah. but I think that that's definitely one that like I kind of like to keep under my hat generally <laughs> about like, oh, I remember very much enjoying reading those books. But we all did. So that's why I'm okay with it. We yeah. all did. Yes. 
Maybe collective trauma. VC Andrews. That's a great. There you go. <laughs> we need a we need a therapy group for that. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I am going to first recommend if you are a fan of the book On the Road by Jack Kerouac, which I am, and I know Jack Kerouac was problematic as hell. I understand. I am still a huge fan of a lot of the beat poets, even though a lot of them were horrible. Well, then I recommend reading Off the Road by Caroline Cassidy, who was married to Neil Cassidy and uh, also had an affair with Jack Kerouac. And it is very, very much about being a woman in the beat generation and being a woman with those men around and how hard it was and how misogynistic a lot of them were and trying to find your own voice in that. Um, among a bunch of men who thought they were being very progressive and open and yet didn't want to hear from women a lot. So I really, really recommend it. I think it's a great, great read. Uh, and she still, though, lovingly describes these people. It's just a very interesting account of of that, of growing up around these people that we ended up admiring and loving as artists and seeing a totally different different side to them. And then kind of on the same line, there is a book and I really, I'm also really, 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 Carla, you need to read this book. And I'm pointing this out because I know you are, I don't know if Sasha and Judy love the doors as much as Carla and I love the doors, but there is a book. It's a fiction book by Ray Manzarek called Poet in Exile. And what it is, is he is basically doing like a, what if Jim Morrison didn't die and Jim Morrison is living on an island somewhere. Um, and he basically just was like, I can't do this and I want to try and save myself. So I'm going to go and live on an island. And then um, Ray Manzarek finds himself there. And it's a really quick read, easy read. I read it like about 20 years ago or something. Really, really good book, uh, especially if you're a fan of The Doors. Um, we will definitely be talking about that band at some point. And Carla, I know for sure, will be on that episode because <laughs> The Doors were huge for me when I was a preteen and teenager. That was like my band. Uh, so we will definitely uh, be talking about that. So I recommend that, Carla. You have to definitely check that one out. And then I will just quickly shout out another book of Dean Koontz. And that is one that's also, that's not in fiction. Dean Coots is a huge dog person and he writes the most amazing dog characters in his books and he doesn't kill them because he loves dogs so much. But he wrote this book about his dog called Big Little Life and it's, it'll make you cry in a good way. And it's, it's such a beautiful book and it's not scary. So you can read it. And then I also want to give a shout out to another series of his um, and it is Fear Nothing and Seize the Night. And um, I'll just leave the, the names, just go and look those up. I won't go into too much detail about those. And then lastly, I, I want to give a shout out to another S.E. Hinton book, since we mentioned S.E. Hinton at the top. And even though S.E. Hinton is problematic as hell, her book, That Was Then, This Is Now, is my favorite S.E. Hinton book. I love that book so much. So shout out to that for childhood. I haven't read it since I was a teen child. <laughs> I, I would like to give a quick anecdote about that. Okay. Book. Okay. <laughs> because that was, okay. So we read the outsiders 
And then at some point later, we read that was then and this is now. Now, I was one of those kids who was put in a buffer position a lot, where the teacher will put you with like the problem kid. And then you kind of have to like, your your good studentness has to rub off on them, which is a lot to put on a child. But at any point, this one child, child, okay, like he was held back a few grades. So he was like 16 and we were all in like eighth grade. So he was the only like eighth grader driving himself to school, this whole thing. But he was famous for having gotten slapped in the face by a teacher by, for insulting her, which is again, problematic because why do you slap a kid? So anyway, but quote unquote trouble student. And he was placed in my care, I guess. And we were reading that was, and then this is now, and he, he liked to try to disrupt me, but being the, the uh, person that I am, I was like, excuse me, I am here to learn, sir. <laughs> um, and it, it actually ended up working out in a very interesting way because I was kind of unflappable because I was just whatever. So over this whole thing, but also he found that intriguing and this is not going to get into like, Oh, you know, like child rom-com kind of thing where it's like, Oh, it's a coming of age story. This is Carla's first boyfriend. No, this is not Carla's first boyfriend. This is the first person that Carla influenced on reading because we were reading that was then and this is now. And I sincerely thought that he would enjoy it. I said, you know, his name was Anthony. I said, Anthony, if you would take the time to read the book, I think that you'd really like it. And so I, being the nerd that I am, got very passionate in, in talking about what the book was about and why I thought it was exciting and why I thought he would find it exciting. And he actually listened to me and he read the book and he enjoyed it and he did well in whatever the hell we were supposed to do with that book. I don't remember. This was a million years ago. But then much later in high school, he approached me and he said that he was grateful that I that I forced him to read that book because it forced him to read, period. And that that book really opened a lot of doors for him. So, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, enjoying education instead of just burying it, which is, I'm, I, this is not a Carla is an amazing person to put your problem children next to so much as it is about the power of reading and connecting with a story and that particular story connected with him in a way that that changed his outlook on a lot of things and this is why books are so important and it's why book bans are so wrong um you're you're stealing from people particularly when you're trying to ban books from um, from schools, you're stealing from children. You're stealing experiences that they can have, that they can carry with them through their lives, and particularly when you're doing it for the sake of of um, propping up white supremacy, it's wrong. But saying that it's not going to reach the people that it needs to reach because they are entrenched in their view that they are doing the right thing. But for the people out there who are kind of on the fence about it, think about something that you read. And experienced as a piece of entertainment as a child and how it moved you. And why would you deprive somebody else, another child, of an experience like that? Yeah. Preach. <laughs> yeah. Wonderfully, beautifully said. So 
That is a great note to wrap up on. Thank you. Thank you to Carla, Sasha, and Judy so much for joining me on this one. And like I mentioned on our pop culture and fandom news episode, September, we are going to be talking about books. I'm not positive on what all the episodes will be. I know one episode will be where I'm just basically going to have someone like an interview style where I'll have one of our panelists for a little bit talk about a book that means a lot to them in great, greater detail. So, and there might be a couple that are like a couple episodes that are like that, depending on how many people want to do that. So yes. And my panelists now, if they want to be on one of those, let me know. Uh, but so stay tuned for more. So we're going to go ahead and close. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and close out though, and have my lovely panelists say where they can be found. And Carla, also where your podcast, Bed, Wet, or Behead, can be found. Well, thank you, Erin. You can find Bed, Wet, or Behead wherever you get your fine podcasts and even your crappy ones. Just wherever you find a podcast, you will find Bed, Wet, or Behead. Uh, please feel free to not only listen, but to rate five stars, um, subscribe. And tell all your friends if you love it. Tell all of your frenemies if you don't. And um, make sure that you follow us on social media, whether or not we post. Why is that your problem? Like, why are you gatekeeping um, the enjoyment of having more people that you follow? Like, just just follow us and enjoy the silence. Um, look for us on Twitter at BedWetBeheadPod. Yes? Yes. Sorry, I couldn't remember if that was the correct one. On Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. On TikTok, we have five TikToks, which will soon be six. I keep saying that. I've been saying that for a month and a half. But do you want to miss the day that it drops? I don't think so. At bed.wet.behead.pod. Look for me and my art and my musings on Instagram at Demis, Or also on my TikTok where I have one TikTok that has my photography on it, which you will enjoy because it's pretty. And also I, I, I give good voiceover. And that is at bed, wet, behead. No, no, sorry. That one's at Carla Demis. Cause we have moved on and I'm only a little bit drunk. Only a tiny <laughs> bit. And you can also look for my website. CarlaTemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. This entire dump has been brought to you by a bottle of Mayomi. Because I may be drunk, but I like to be classy about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I did the the shimmy shake with my shoulders again for, for Carla's website. So <laughs> and and I'll keep our weird alphabet going again. <laughs> so 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 Sasha, where can they find you? Uh on the Instagrams at vegan geek chick. And again, you can find my goofy dog there. Uh I am not drunk, so that's all you got. <laughs> and Judy, where can they find you? Also sober. <laughs> and um, I mean, mainly, I guess, on Instagram at Ballroom Blitz Geek. Yeah. <laughs> I don't post a whole lot, but you can see my silly, you know, fairy and mermaid pictures and all the all the adventures that i have <laughs> i was gonna say yeah definitely promote that with your pictures of the mermaid stuff that you that's always that's so interesting to me the whole the mermaid stuff <laughs> i think that's really cool yep and this is aaron remember you don't want to follow me you want to follow fergie on tiktok 
at Schroeder and Ferg's. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. Yes, it's long, but it is worth it. She is a clown. She's so funny. So go follow her. I should have done a TikTok of she just lost her throne, a.k.a. the chair. because We're getting another couch. And I'm sure she's going to be mourning this for days and days and days. So <laughs> I should have made a TikTok about that, but I missed my opportunity. Um, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, if you can be. And also remember, we have an open door invitation to any WGA and SAG AFTRA members that would like to come on and discuss the strike. Uh, feel free to reach out to us via our website, It's a Fandom Thing Click the Contact Us button there, and that'll shoot me an email. And I forgot to mention it on our pop culture and fandom news episode. If you like the show and you want to hear more of the show and you want to hear ad free versions of the show, make sure to become a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. We also are offering for new patrons a seven day free trial at the three bucks a month level. So you have nothing to lose. You can go hear some great episodes. I can't mention a lot of the titles, but since they were recorded before the strike, it's all okay. We're going to revamp stuff and cover some other things for bonus that are not struck material. So our Patreon, we're still going to honor that. Click the link in the bio or go to the support us page on our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com and become a Patreon supporter today. And echoing what Carla said, if the best thing you can do for me and Carla's podcast and any indie podcast that you love out there is rate us five stars on both iTunes and Spotify and then share, 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 share. That is the best thing you can do for a podcast is share it on your social media, share it in your Instagram stories. Just tell everybody, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your lizard. Doesn't matter. Just tell them. <laughs> hey, lizards might want something to listen to, too, Carla. <laughs> hey, you know, as Jim Morrison said, Jim Morrison said he was the lizard king. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he could do anything, including enjoy a quality exactly. podcast. <laughs> so next week, we are just going to have interviews. So I have two interviews that I'm going to be recording. And I do want to note, and you probably heard one this week, too. One of the interviews is with a director of a film, but the film does not fall under the struck guidelines. It's a very, very indie film. And I may eventually be uh, interviewing some of the cast members as well, as well. It's an indie horror film. So horror is one of the best in the indie, <laughs> indie field. So I just want to make sure, you know, I'm not, you know, lying about what I said before we, you know, it's very, I checked through the publicist, through all the channel, through me researching it. Uh, and then I will also be interviewing somebody who also does a podcast where she also does, it's like very uh, radio, old time radio kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And she is also a SAG member. So I'm not positive because I haven't recorded it yet. If we're going to talk about anything in that realm, but she responded to my post about that. So we'll see. So I'm very excited to talk to both of those. And then coming up after that for the rest of the month of August, we're going to be talking about music. 
So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.